What is up? Welcome back to Oh My Pod. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and today's episode is all over the place, but in a good way. I talk with Deanna Aspear, and we cover everything from her background of being an entertainment reporter in LA, to dating in the UK versus the US, to getting over your fears, to straight up just real talk about following a passion. And I'm not talking about the good side of things. I think you'll be surprised to hear how we talk about it to a lot of fun stuff like the best spot to get a facial on the West Coast in L.A. She is such a little firecracker in a Tinkerbell body. And she's one of my favorite interviews to date because she's such a great person to have a conversation with. She doesn't hold back. She told me no questions were off limits. She's honest, but she's relatable. And also her English accent does not hurt to listen to. So with that, let's jump into today's interview with the spunky Deanna Spear, where we kick things off by actually chatting through a mutual podcast guest that we both interviewed. The other funny story I have is I saw that you interviewed Adam Spot from Vanderpump Rules. Okay, Uh, yeah. So did I. He went to my college. We're actually friends. Oh my gosh, amazing. I love Adam. He's so nice. And But when I interviewed him, it was right before the season was airing. And so he was like really tight-lipped about what was going on and he like couldn't say a lot. So, right. but I have his number. So I'm. Te- I, did you watch the episode last night? Did I? No, don't don't, don't spoil okay. it for me. I've watched Summer House because I had someone from Summer House this morning. I haven't watched from last night. Okay, I won't spoil anything. I will just say it is like the best episode of the season. And I was texting him, and I'm like, I am shook. What the hell just happened? Like that was so. Adam hasn't really been in this season a lot, and he had like a very big moment, and I was like. Ugh. So, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to speak to him. Yeah, I I was like dying when I saw that you interviewed him too. So I was like, we are. I, I love Adam. He's so fun. He's so nice. He needs to be nice as Ashina though. I know. I don't really get what happened. And like, I mean, I don't know doing. if you heard him on my episode when I had him like the really long episode, but I really challenged him and like Adam, love you, but you like you need to know what you want. You gotta step it up, Adam. Step it up. You You're not 18 us? years old. Hearing us, Adam, he's going to be like, shut up. <laughs> uh, no, he's not. He'll take our advice because we're very, very intelligent women. Adam, you, he, <laughs> he knows this. He was in like a fuckboy fraternity. You have to grow out of that, Adam. You got to take our advice. See, I didn't get fuckboy vibes from him. No, he's not at all. I even told him this on my podcast. I was like, it's weird that you were in that fraternity because like you don't scream that at all. He's no just, offense, but I feel like Adam is kind of the guy who never really had game until he got much older. And now, like, maybe now he does because he's like a model and stuff. But he's just more like reserved. He's a more he reserved. Is. He's not like a fuck boy. Like, if I don't know if you watch Summer House, but someone like Carl is like yeah, a typical fuck boy. House. Like, knows exactly how to speak to the ladies. Like, ooh, like chatter chatter like i'll chat with everyone and adam is more like i don't know what the fuck to say but i'll just like sit there and look nice yes when we had when i had him on i opened up his dms and he had like ten thousand, and he wasn't responding to any of them he's like okay i'm like what if that i thought you were gonna be like yeah what's going on i'm in la let's hang out he's like no i like don't deal with these at all so he yeah and it's like you know what you could actually meet a really nice girl in those dms like i've made a lot of really good friends from social media let me tell you yes including us that's how we can. Yeah, that, but that's what I, I was. Te- I tell everyone whenever like I have people on my podcast or I go on their podcast, you become instant friends because it is like the only. Even when I go to brunch with my friends, I don't have such in depth conversations because everyone is literally just on their phones. Yes, it's so annoying, and I'm like, it's 
everyone asks me the same thing. They're like, how do you get all these people? I'm like, I literally DM them or I tweet at them or something because I've looked at their content so much. I've followed their stories. I almost feel like I know them. And I listen to their podcast. So it's like, in my mind, we're like already past the like getting to know you stage. And so it's weird when you actually talk to someone, you're like, well, I already know you. You've already stalked each other. I know everything about you. You know everything about me. Let's get down to business. Yes. Which you can ask me of, anything. I love it how you send me your questions and you were like, are these questions too, like, you know, private for you? I was, I looked at the questions and I was like, no, you can go even more private. Oh, good. These are my favorite interviews yeah. because I have some people that are like, oh, cut this. Oh my gosh, I need to record that. Some people write out their answers to all these and I'm like, we're not like, I don't do that. I don't no, like I that. skimmed through it and I was like, I'll just like, be spontaneous about this. Love it. Okay, well, yeah. speaking of like getting down to business, what's interesting is that you come from the entertainment reporting background. Can you yeah. tell us about how that came to be, like what it was like? You don't have to give us the, you know, life story about it, but I think it's really interesting that you're in Hollywood and come from that background. Right. So I hate long answers on podcasts. I feel like nobody <laughs> has time to listen to three hour podcasts. Right. Um, so basically, long story cut short, I started in the performing arts. I was singing, songwriting, but mostly, yeah, singing, songwriting, mostly songwriting, singing, dancing, songwriting. And I got the chance to be on a TV show, like a TV competition. And then I ended up working in the studio with Ariana Grande's producers and collaborating with Nelly and things. And I just realized that I just was not cool enough for the music industry. When it comes to music, you have to be emotional when, when like writing your lyrics, but it's all like a cool contest, I feel like. And I'm definitely not cool. I mean, you might think I am now because I'm unapologetically uncool and I'm very uncool. So I ended up being interviewed by a couple of outlets, one of which I was like, listen, can I write some entertainment articles for you? Because I really still wanted to be creative and wanted to write, but I did not feel like the like music was the right medium for me to communicate a message. If anything, all the messages that I had tried to communicate in the past via music did not were not received in the right way and so I got quite frustrated with that and I was like I thought music was all about you know communicating things and emotions and messages nope not like that um so I decided to start writing entertainment segments I knew nothing about the entertainment industry and then a couple of months in this girl was like well do you want to cover the teen choice awards red carpet we don't have anyone to go and I went I didn't know anything about anyone on that red carpet, but I came out thinking this is what I need to do. I could speak to them from the artist standpoint as well. And at the same time, because I didn't have that, I wasn't really stressed or starstruck because I didn't know who anyone is. So I could actually have really great conversation with all these people. So it just became like second nature to me to go to red carpets and just ask people a bunch, a bunch of questions. And that's kind of how I got involved. Then I evolved in that industry, got better jobs and better jobs and worked really hard. It's like a seven day a week work situation. You can't work in new media and switch off like two days a week. So it's not a nine to five. It's not like, oh, come in and get it done and you can leave at five. Yeah, maybe your pay hours will be nine to five. But if you come in on a Monday with no clue what is going on in the world, you failed. Like you're, you're, you failed. What about, I mean, it's obvious you did not live in America. Where are you originally from? So I was born in Switzerland, but I'm actually English. Like I was born with an English passport. I got my Swiss citizenship when I was, I think, 19 or 20. Um, so I grew up in a very small town, 
you know, very like kind of gossipy, but still kind of nice, but still gossipy. And then I moved to the UK as soon as I graduated and did my studies there. So I'm very European and very non-American. And when I started my career in entertainment reporting, I, instead of, I know a lot of people who moved to America and kind of got an American accent and really act super American. And I completely denied that. And I just kind of stayed true to my roots. I love and that. yeah, so that's, yeah, that's where I'm from. So then how did you end up specifically in LA? Was it because of the performing arts that you were doing? The reason why I'm in LA is not fully 100% professional. There's like kind of a twisted story behind it. So I moved to LA on a sh- short-term songwriting contract. And then I ended up, this is a story I literally until about a few weeks ago never opened up about on any podcast, but now it's out there on some other podcast. So I may as well just tell you. You got to um, tell us a twisted story. Huh? Yeah, you gotta you've got to tell the story. So <laughs> I ended up moving back for... um like a, a, like a kind of a high school sweetheart of mine that, you know, we had reconnected while I was in LA and long, long story cut short again, didn't work out. Um, he, he moved to a different state and I was not his wife. So I was not about to just follow him blindly when I had already followed him to California. So I just like hustled and hustled and all the things that he said, I wasn't going to be able to accomplish on my own. I, I did. I got the the dog. He thought I was never going to get, I got the job. He thought I was going to get, he, I, I remember even him, him at one point saying like, yeah, in the beginning of you hosting, like, I didn't really see it happening. Like, I didn't think you had it in you, but I see you're really improving. It was such a patronizing thing to say to me that I literally made it my mission to prove it not to him because I deleted him off all social media, but to myself that I could like make yeah. these things happen for me. What yeah. the hell that? And I don't even understand what would be the motive for saying that to someone other than to like put you down and try to be dominant over you. I think it was like looking back, like I have no bitterness towards the situation whatsoever anymore. I think it was him trying to encourage me saying like, you've improved, Mm. but I do think that some guys have such a big ego and are just incapable of giving you a full blown compliment without making you feel like they have some input or they have, do you know what I mean? Like guys like to be the powerful, like I'm the breadwinner. I'm the, I'm the career guy and you're cute like you've improved do you know what i mean i don't think it was on purpose yeah okay so then he wasn't being a total asshole i mean he was in so many other different ways but we don't (laughs) need to even go there because that's such an irrelevant part of my life today (laughs) so he's done so done years ago years ago years ago so you're in la you get this amazing reporting job i imagine you have some crazy stories like what's either a the craziest story you've had or b the craziest celeb that you've interviewed and it could be like really crazy things they said or just like a bad interview like I would love to hear that oh my gosh so I don't even feel like anything is crazy to me anymore because I truly believe that the craziest person in every single one of these interviews is me (laughs) like (laughs) Like I'm crazier than any celebrity I've interviewed wow there was an instance where I've already told this on other podcasts but this girl um I was at a TV award show just for like TV shows. And I didn't watch the show, one of the shows that was being awarded. Cause you know, as an entertainment reporter, you have to research, but you can't watch every single show. Like I would literally have no life and no job and have no money if that's what I did. And so, um, I, it was very obvious that I had no idea who this person was, no idea what show she was on. And I was like, so tell me a little bit about yourself and about your character. And she gave me a fake name. And then at the end of the interview, she called me out and I was like, oh, by the way, that wasn't my real name. Ha 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 ha. You're not fucking funny. What? 
And it's like, hello, Z-lister gets offended because I don't know who you are. Like, chill the fuck out. It's so annoying. People have such egos. Not everyone. I I find that most people in entertainment are actually very sweet and very lovely and very respectful because most people in entertainment have had to to work so hard to get to where they are. But occasionally you'll run into the the, the arsehole. That's kind of of something that's stuck by me. Um, I, I, I can't give you any names, but I have had some interviews where, like, you know, they just weren't that responsive, like, yeah, maybe, yeah, no. And then it's very hard to get something out of them. So, you know, I always end up just either making a joke about myself or making a joke about the situation to kind of brush it off. But so it's you pre- kind of had to just improvise. It's all over the place. Well, what about yourself? Because I can imagine if I came from Europe, went to LA, I'm starting to get like all these amazing jobs and interviewing all these amazing celebrities. I feel like whether I would notice it or not, you may get a little ego. Like, did you ever find yourself doing that? Like, okay, I need to like, I'm like, my head is blowing up. Or were you always like, this is just not that crazy to me. So I'm not getting an ego out of this. So once you actually start speaking to a lot of celebrities after the like, maybe third time, you don't see them as amazing people. Like they're just people. Right. And so, and you also see them like, Obviously, there's the minute that you have them with you during your interview and you're talking to them. But when you see these celebrities walk down the red carpet, they're doing like 15 interviews before you where they've probably said the same thing that they're saying to you. So you kind of see that there's a very like regimented media trained aspect to it. Right. So you kind of don't see you. you. It's kind of just mechanical at one point. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like sometimes if I'm doing something cool, I'll put it on my social media because it makes me look relevant. And, you know, it's always important to keep up with that. But I've actually, you know, once you've done, I don't know, 30 red carpets, which I've done way over 30 red carpets, I've kind of like stopped doing as many because the truth is there isn't that much money in red carpet reporting. There's more money in news producing and in, in the production side of that industry. So you know, rather, and a lot of people will do all these things for a very low price because, you know, they need it for social media, they need it for content, they need it for relevance. But I've just come to a point where like, I don't really care about relevance anymore. Like, I want to live a nice life. I want to pay for my dog's grooming. I want to pay for my hair extensions because I need them. And so I, yeah, it, it, it does get old. And I found that through the podcasting world, I was actually able to have like real, real meaningful conversations with people. And that is something that makes me feel like, oh yeah, I've achieved something. Like that's pretty cool. I've spoken to this celebrity and I was able to, you know, have a bond with them. Simply just chatting to someone on a red carpet with a microphone in their face, it, it gets old. Like, yeah, obviously it's like a fun job. You're you're standing up in a cute outfit. You get to talk to cool people. But once you realize that these people are trained to be there and to give you specific answers, it just becomes another job. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, kind of takes the magic out of it. It's like you said, it's like, okay, well, they just said it to 10 other people. I'm going to get the same answer that the other outlet just got. Yeah, and it's kind of your it. job to get them to give you different answers. And obviously I was known to be quite successful in doing that in my interviews but there's only so many things you can ask to someone who's standing there for two minutes do you know what i mean right i've never actually thought about it that way like i'm so cool big-headed because i've always worked in entertainment since the age of two like Mm -hmm. uh, 12 i started the piano at the age of two but i i've been working in entertainment since the age of 12 i think the first time that i performed with a celebrity i maybe was like 13 14 and 
my first time actually performing with a celebrity, it wasn't an American celebrity, but still where I'm from, it was like a big celebrity. You know, you do a sound check, you work behind the scenes with them and you just see that they're doing the same thing that you're doing. They're just doing it on a bigger scale. Right. But that doesn't affect you and it doesn't affect the work. You're still putting in the same amount of work. So then as you start realizing, hmm, maybe this is like not where the money is or not even fulfilling, how did you decide with the podcast? Like, did someone tell you, hey, podcasting is becoming bigger. I think you would have a great podcast. Are you like, I want to do this myself? Like, how did that come to be? Well, it's not really true that to say the money's not there because the, because the truth is that, you know, the more relevant you are, the more bookings you'll get and the more opportunities you'll be given, et cetera, et cetera. The podcast was actually just me. It was just so random. I just got bored. I was at a place where I was just so bored. Um, it, 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 you know, you get into this industry because you find it exciting, but then you realize that it's, as I said, very mechanical. It's like you're in a factory doing the same thing, same thing. And I got so bored, but I still wanted to be passionate about it because I really lost myself in music and I didn't want that to be a thing for me again. I didn't want to lose myself in the professional and the regimented aspect of the industry and all the, the politics around that industry. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to sit in my room, get a few microphones, including this one that I just showed you. And I was like, I'm going to talk to people that I like. So I started the podcast. It was a completely different concept than it is today because obviously, you know, you launch and then you evolve. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to this YouTuber slash singer that I was following and I was a big fan of. And I just sent her PR an email and I was like, hi guys. Um, you know, I'm, you know, a reporter. I work for all these people. I've produced for all these people. I, I'm starting my own thing, would blah, 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 be willing to put, uh, participate. Um, this is my interview style. This is the previous work that I've done. And they responded to me and they were like, they responded to me the same day. They were like, she'd love to participate. Like, let me know. She'll come to yours. And in the beginning, you can tell my previous episodes, I was kind of shy. It wasn't, I didn't really have a flow. And as I started doing more and more and more, I not only developed my interview style, which later on helped me with more red carpet things and more production jobs, but I also just enjoyed it more. And I realized maybe my thing is not to be an on-camera person who's just meant to be the face of a content. Maybe I'm meant to be like more of a producer and more of something different. I don't know what that is still yet. I don't even fucking know what I'm doing here. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I just realized that there was something maybe different that was meant for me. And I still don't know what that thing is, but I know that I'm definitely closer to achieving what I'm supposed to be doing, even if it's not podcasting, you know, but I'm definitely closer. No, and I really, I went to broadcast journalism. Well, that was my major in undergrad and I was trying to be a sports reporter, but then I was like, I don't really want to be like moving all around. I, I kind of had this foresight that I was like, I have a feeling from what I'm seeing on the outside, I'm going to like lose the magic of it if I get into it. Like I kind of just want to watch sports. I don't want to be in it. So then I decided right. not to. But then I was like, okay, well, that was my whole like undergrad. Now what do I do? And then right. I was just like twiddling my thumbs after college after I like got, got pretty much straight A's. And I was like, wait, what? Like, what was the point of all that? And then I was like, okay, let me go to school for something else. So I went to school for digital media and storytelling. It's a real major. It's a real master's profession. Storytelling is a real skill. Yes. Let me just put it out there. It's a real skill that not many people have. Many people think they have, but they do not have it. Yes. 
And so when I was applying for this major, everyone's like, storytelling? What is that? Children's books reading? And I was like, uh, well, no. no. When f- someone, like, I, I can 100% relate. When I, went as, when I went on red carpets and someone gave me an answer, it is your job to feed off of that and create a story around it. That's storytelling. It doesn't mean sitting down at your typewriter and be like, so Winnie, Winnie the Pooh when and la-di-da-di-da. That's right. not storytelling. And I was like, and there's different ways to do it. Audio, video, pictures, like 100%. design. And also, I was going to say, you're one of the only podcasters who's interviewed me, like, where I looked at your questions and I was like, this bitch is a journalist. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> That's funny. And because- I'm not even... I'm not even trained in broadcast journalism. I, it ended up being my job, but I, I didn't study it. And I looked at your questions and I was like, hmm, we've got a little reporter on our hands. That's so funny. And that it's definitely comes from my background. And I'm like, it's, it's genuinely though, like, I think I like this stuff, kind of to your point, because if me and you got lunch, like these are questions I would have probably asked you anyways like don't you you feel like when you go on a date with a guy you're usually the one carrying the conversation because you know how to get valuable information about people and i feel like especially when you're doing these types of interviews like we're remote right now you have to be able to like read someone's body language and energy and like are they gonna are they about to just do an awkward long pause you have to be there and be like i know what's happening you're about to like lose your train of thought i need to remember what you just said like it is It is a skill, but I like the thing that you said of like in the beginning, you were a little shy and reserved and then you evolved. And I'm sure you feel this way too. Like every episode, I almost feel like A, it's like therapy and B, you get a little more confident. Can I be honest with you? I'm never fucking shy. Um, The only reason you're the first person I've been shy around. And the only reason is that we're doing video and I rolled out of bed. (laughs) Like legit, this is how I woke up because I've just come off a 15 hour flight and I legit have never, like I look at myself in the mirror and I've been, and and I've never been more afraid of myself. Oh my God. You look gorgeous though. Like you need to stop. Afraid. But, but then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like I'm still going to be Deanna. Like I've never, it's never taken me so long to warm up to a person, like talking to them on podcast. (laughs) No. (laughs) Thanks for making me vulnerable. You've, you've succeeded. Amen. I love that. Well, I mean, it is, it is like, it's really hard sometimes to do these interviews remote. Like you probably know because the person is like, "Mm, we're remote. I can't read your energy or they'll start texting or something and get distracted. Oh yeah. It's really hard. And I'm like, I mean, if I do text, cause I do that a lot, I'm really good at multitasking. Cause when I was on the red carpet, I was, I would literally just research someone while I was talking to them, while I was trying to like look cute in front of the camera. Like multitasking that. has become my, like my thing. Oh my gosh. That's the skill I need because I told you earlier, like I get so freaked out that I'm going to hit something and the audio is going to just go away. But I'm like, that's because I need to just be focused on one thing. Oh my gosh, if it goes away, just call me back. We'll get back to where we started (laughs) or we'll start over. Like, you're fine. It's happened to me so many times. It happens all the time. I'm sure you know in like news reporting where you record this whole amazing thing and then the whole file is corrupted and you're like, shit, where did my interview go? I feel like it's standard. Yeah, it's like you're not really a podcaster if you haven't lost one episode or the audio sucked one episode. Like, everyone has that. Everyone has that. And you just have to roll with it. I think the fun thing about podcasting is that no matter what happens, you just roll with it. And then it has to be out on that same day every week. And it's just, it's just raw. I love that the podcasting industry is so 
role Mm -hmm. and it's so different to any other industry it's so different to tv it's so different to music i mean people say that music is all emotional and raw it's not it's all calculated it's all marketing it's all pr to me podcasting is the only new media outlet that is raw of course you can edit but there's so much freedom and there's so much room for just more creators And I just think that it's something that will never really get saturated. I think that there's so many little niches now that are creating themselves. So it's definitely one of my favorites. I listen to so many podcasts. Oh my God, me too. I am obsessed with podcasts. I don't even like really listen to music anymore. Like I'm pretty much always listening to podcasts because... Funny enough, I I used to work in music. I don't listen to music anymore, but the charts suck nowadays anyway. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really feel like I'm missing out because to your point, it's like, when are you... Well not only are you getting a more raw and real, but it's like, when are you ever going to hear from this person telling you all these different things without having like a PR person in the room or like a media training kit where it's like, they don't have that in podcasting. So it's like just a real conversation. And even if they are, because you get into an in-depth conversation, it's very easy to like break those barriers as well to kind of like step away from the media training because you can really like dig into like the person that you're interviewing. But also because I've listened to so many podcasts now and I keep listening every single day, it's made me such a smarter person because, but I mean like relationships wise and emotion, emotionally, emotional wise, understanding how people react and how people respond is literally one of the most valuable skills I've gotten from podcasting, whether it's doing it myself or listening to other people. Oh my god, I feel the same, and I bet you're gonna agree with me. I feel the same when I watch reality TV. People make fun of me. I I watch like every show on earth, and I'm like, I yeah. learn so much by watching how people react to other people, how people get defensive, how people don't stick up for themselves. And I'm like, I don't care what people say about all these trash shows I watch. Like, I feel like it helps me and podcasts. To your point, I listen to funny ones about relationships. I listen to serious ones. I listen to people talk about it on air, and I'm like, it also makes me more self aware. Well, so the thing with reality TV, it's very edited. So it's True. it's not 100% real. But as I was saying, there's a reason why the world of reality TV is so heavily involved in podcasting. Because they have the all these after shows and every reality personality now, almost every one of them has a podcast because there is such a raw aspect, as I said, to podcasting that it's the perfect outlet for them to set the record straight. So even if you're not getting the real gist of the story when you watch them on reality TV, it's going to be somewhere on their podcast or on social media. So again, it's, it's just people watching, it's observing behaviors. And I find that so fascinating. That's like, to be honest, you could do all of the broadcasting degrees that you want. If you do not have this skill of like really understanding behavior, you won't be a successful reporter. Do you know what I mean? No, not at all. Because kind of what we were talking about podcasting is like its own form. It is storytelling and each person gets to tell their story. Like that's exactly what it is. I love it. Okay. So I need to know about the differences between the UK and the USA. And I ask because I'm obsessed with the UK. I was trying to get my company to move me there. Obviously, every English guy, American girls fall in love with. A, how many people do you think fall in love with you and then they hear your accent and they're like, oh my God, marry me. Do you find that? I mean, if I answered the question 100% honest, it would make me sound so fucking arrogant. (laughs) I feel like it's true though. Like Americans just love the accents. Well, so, okay, Whenever people tell me I like you, they're like, well, 
the fact that you speak different is kind of a huge part of the equation, which kind of sucks, but it's not, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like I'd rather someone say like, Oh, I really like you because you're so special and you're so intelligent and we connect on such a deeper level. No, people just say your accent. So there you go. Um, well, True. I, I do. Yeah, I do think that, but there are so many English people now that live in LA. It's not even all that special anymore. That's true. Do you know what I mean? I think maybe it's the personality that goes with the accent because I have a very European soul and I feel like it's so obvious the minute you start talking to me, I have like my own way of thinking and it is not the American LA way of thinking. What do you think Uh, is the LA way of thinking? So I think that... Um, I, I read this question. I was like, shit, if she asked me that question, I won't know what to say. Cause it's very, I don't want to come across someone that's like generalizing, but I will. Um, <laughs> but we're going cause to. you asked me to, I find that, and please forgive me for that. I'm going to get a shit ton of hate for that. There's kind of a lack of substance. I feel like in America, because America is a country that focuses so much on career and job. A thousand percent agree. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like there's very little room for just, I mean, it, it's obvious in the, in the, in, in the days that you work, Americans have on average, what, 20, 20 days off a year. Not 20. We get like, it's like 12. Like 12. Yeah. <laughs> we get like 30 or something in the UK. Like, you know, there, there's so many bank holidays, there's so many holidays, there's so many days off. Like, I feel like Europeans really do take time for leisure and enjoyment and you know they read and there's a, a bit more culture obviously because it's an older country i'm not saying um, americans are, are not culture they're very cultured but it's all it's all very business and work oriented and then with that because it's so heavily focused on you know career and profession there's a lot of social status that goes along with it so it's a bit more shallow in that aspect um, I, I, it's a bit less like that. I mean, it's like that everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Like social status is important everywhere for everyone. But I do feel like when you come from Europe, you attach less importance to those things because you are encouraged to take part in different activities and different things. Whereas in America, the first question I always get from everyone and they meet me is what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to and this all the time. I went to this like adult summer camp. It was really fun. You like pretended you were camping and you got to go on like the lake house and make friendship bracelets. And they said the only question that is off limits here is you cannot ask people what their profession is because that's what we immediately connect on. And it was actually really hard because I met someone and I wanted to be like, cool, what do you do? And I was like, Fuck, I can't ask that. And I'm like, you know, what's interesting is I hung out with I ended up meeting people that I would have never talked to. Because we weren't allowed to ask what each other does. And we just like broke down those barriers because they're like, oh, we actually like each other outside of like our work field. A hundred percent. And I was actually on holiday um, just now that I've just come back from 15 hour flight. Kill me. Um, I'm already dead. Um, and I found myself, you know, I, all my friends from back home were there. It was kind of like a big reunion of all the people from my hometowns. I say hometowns because I basically am like, English, Swiss, both, whatever. And I found myself talking about work so much. And I was like, shit, like I'm becoming that person from America who has nothing else to say for herself than talk about her work. So I called myself out on that. And I was like, shit, I need to check myself. I need to start talking about other things. And I'm lucky. I'm someone who's very creative. So I always have some kind of hobby and some kind of other interest. So I read books. I talk about books. I read, I have my dog and I look after her like a crazy dog mom. So I speak about like my pet and I have other interests, but 
I did find myself doing that a lot because because that's all people ever want to hear about in America. So it's always, it's kind of become a part of me also. So I have noticed that. Whereas, you know, my European friends, obviously everyone's very career-oriented, but there's still... I feel like also Americans, you know, with the whole Me Too movement and the Women's March and stuff, women are trying so hard to prove themselves professionally. And I feel like in Europe, they still are more traditional when it comes to like women and in the workplace. And that's something I really, really notice as a difference. Also, other difference I noticed, um, I don't think I'm going to end up dating an American guy. I thought so when I first moved here because you know what? I love a bro. Bros are really cute. They're really sexy. I do have guilty. My guilty pleasure is definitely a bro. bro. Um, But it's so hard to actually build a relationship with someone like that. That was going to be my next question because I imagine dating is so different in Europe than it is here. Like what are maybe one to three things that are different? between our dating styles it's so it's so hard because obviously la is a huge melting pot as well so it's really hard to generalize around here um i you know i definitely notice a more gentleman aspect of european dating for sure there you know europeans are still more traditional even though they're very reformed and whatever and very heavily influenced by america and I just, I have, I just find that American guys are just stingy, like not more stingy, not all of them, but like in America, it's kind of a thing, like people will split the bill or something. Whereas, and I don't expect it by any means. Do you know what I mean? Like I always offer to pay, but I have noticed that there's no shame in just saying, yeah, let's split it in America. Whereas in Europe, it's like, no, the guy, if, if the guy can't afford a restaurant, he will pay, but he'll just take you to a more chill restaurant. Yeah. He shouldn't be taking you out. You shouldn't be going out if you can't pay like guys should have that in their mindset well so it really bugs me as well about society because all the women are like we want equality we want equality but then they still expect to get paid for if you don't want that do not expect to be treated differently when you go on a date that's something that really bugs me yeah it's definitely something that is because i'm like i'm kind of like on that page too but then i'm like it is nice to have someone be like oh don't worry i got the bill there's like that old school getting courted, putting in the work, but then it is like, well, I can pay too. Like I make just as much, if not more than you, I can, I'm happy to pay this bill, but it's also like an ego thing. There's just a lot that goes into dating now that I feel like did not exist like 20 years ago. I feel like we're in such a transitional phase with like the female role at work and in society. And so it confuses the dating world as well. So now it's like a very like, it's a confusing thing now yeah. for people. And I think that that's kind of also, you know, based off of all the conversations I've listened to and heard it and had, I think that maybe, you know, everyone's saying dating nowadays is so difficult because of all the dating apps and all that stuff. And I actually think that, yeah, that, that may be part of the problem. But if I'm fully honest with you, I think that a, a big problem in the dating world is that it is a very confusing space now because female are so obsessed with men shaming with all of their protests and all of those things. And guys don't even know how to play anymore almost. Yeah. And like you said, the roles are just changing. Like now there's women that are the breadwinners of the house and that they're like fully going to work and they have not taken care of the kids. The dad is like, there's just a lot of different like gender roles. Yeah, And so maybe sometimes, you know, you'll have a guy who will like be okay with splitting, but maybe this guy will be like, well, will I offend her if I like, 
want to pay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a so lot. I do I do feel like that confusion also is a problem and is the reason why people are like not connecting as much in the dating world because there's there's a confusion there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely it's just different and it's hard to talk to your parents because they're like, I don't even know what a dating app is that didn't exist. Like what are you talking about? We're just meeting triple the amount of people that our parents would have met because of the dating apps and because 100%. it has become such a like forefront issue where I feel like back then it was like oh, I like this girl. I'm going to take her out and see where it goes. And now it's like, I have 50 people I can match with right now. Let's see how this goes. I I was talking to a guy the other day and he was a very much like very traditional person. And he was saying to me, you know what? Like, I'm very reformed. Like, I don't mind, you know, my future wife being like a working girl. Like, I think a girl should have a job. Um, but he was like, but, you know, I'm the one who wants to, like, pay for her and be the man. And I thought that was really sweet. And then he was like, can you cook? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, see, I would want my wife to know how to cook. And I was like, well, why don't you fucking cook? Yeah, uh, it's called a microwave it's- and a five second meal. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of Postmates? Yeah. Like, would you let's like buy our. I was like, if you want to pay for everything for the girl, pay for my Postmates. I'm not cooking for you. Yeah, that and that's annoying because I'm like, we need to break this whole like women just clean and cook, but we also need to break the like other side of that too. Like men are all not here to like ruin our lives and creep on us, and like there is that. But fine I like balance. that. But if I'm honest with you, I like the traditional aspect of like the guy courting the girl. Oh, me too. Like, I love that. Like as I'm much as much I'm like fun. super ballsy in my podcast and my interviews and all that stuff. I'm not, and I'm generally the one who like initiates conversation at the, in the workplace. I don't want to be like that in my personal life. No, I feel the same. And that's why I'm like, I do like being courted. I don't mind if a guy's like, hey, do you want to like, not, excuse me, if a guy is like, I've got this. I'm like, oh, that makes me like, like him a little more. Cause I'm like, he is going to put the work in. Well, so here's the thing. I've dated guys who could not afford to like pay for me all the time. And that is something that is completely completely acceptable in my opinion if a guy is like you know can't pay for your dinner or your meal every day you know i i like to treat i've had boyfriends who couldn't pay for everything and i'd be like no i'll pay for you i'll do this like that's completely fine but i don't like it when they make the other girl pay to make a point i find that so unattractive to me oh yeah there's a difference between being obviously balanced and i feel like i'm talking about first dates when a guy covers the bill like I feel like after that, it's like, okay, now we're, like, going back and forth. Now I can split. Now I got this. Like, I'll do something else for you. But it's also, yeah, if if someone's, like, purposely being cheap to test you or using money to control you, like, that's... Those are like totally different topics. Yeah, it's like testing you. Like, don't yeah. fucking test me. Get to know me. It's a process. It takes right. a while. So I've got to take you two seconds. Also, there's another difference that I've noticed. Obviously, everyone's different, and I'm sure there are people like that in Europe, but that is something that I noticed as a whole in america in la i'm not going to say in america because i don't know the rest of america i just know la in where i'm from how can i explain this the right way because i don't want to say the wrong thing because i'm gonna i know i'm gonna get a ton of hate if i literally (laughs) whatever you know what unfiltered here (laughs) so where i'm from if you have a clear obvious connection with someone you don't need to say we're together, we're a couple, you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend. It's kind of a given that when two people like each other and have a connection, they kind of move forward with things, obviously at a slow pace, because you don't want to make a fucking mistake, which I've done, silly me. But 
in America, it's if that statement has not been made, if that label has not been put on the relationship, it's completely normal to go and do those same things with someone else. So right. I remember legitimately talking to someone for three months, okay, three months, and, it, you know, found out that this person was talking to five other people and I called him out on it. And I was like, hey, like, are you like sending these messages to like five other girls? Because like, I've I've heard that. And I think I, I, I think it's quite weird. Like, obviously, we weren't at a place where we could have the exclusive talk, whatever. But I just find it so weird that when you have a connection with someone, you are able to have this connection with five other people. Maybe it's just me being monogamous. But again, I grew up in this European culture. And that is not something that I was used to. Right. And I feel, and that person was like, yeah, but we're not exclusive. So what's wrong with that? And I was like, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> what's wrong with that is that you're not giving any one of these five girls a fair shot. So you're not, you're not going to end up dating any of these five girls. And I was right. This person did not, end, did not end up dating any of the girls that he was talking to. So in America, it's more like the norm to just be dating five people at the same time, whereas in Europe, it's not as much of a thing yet. I've, Maybe I've it will it. become that with more dating apps or whatever, but I've noticed that's a, that's a difference. I've heard that. We, I went on a vacation and it was like two Australians, two guys from the UK, a few girls from all... Like It was a bunch of different people and I was asking them that and he's like... It's pretty much like if you meet one person and you have a connection, you keep going with them. Whereas Go Americans it. are like, oh, I have dates set up next month, but I already am like talking to this guy. And it's like, wait, why, why are you setting up dates in two weeks when you are like liking this guy? So I have heard that that is, but we maybe juggle that's people me. more. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But again, I feel like that's, it, it's this very business oriented, like professional oriented American mentality where like, guys are so afraid to commit because they're afraid to make the wrong business deal with the person that they choose to spend their time with. If you don't like someone, break up with them. It's not like you're engaged. It's not like you're married. It's not like you're investing $3 billion in that person because it's a business opportunity. It's just spending time with someone. So I don't know what it is about American guys that make them this way, but I find it super, super, and that's what I was telling Adam as well. He's like, you know, he's with Sheena and they're doing this whole thing and they're basically dating, but he's like, but I'm not in a place where I can be in a relationship. You're in a relationship. You just don't want to say it because you don't want to have to break up with this person if it doesn't work out. But the truth is you're going to argue with Sheena anyway, because you are in a relationship. So that's something that I've been very confused about in American dating, which is yeah. why I'm probably never going to date an American guy because I like, um, what's it called? Initiative. And I like balls and I cannot date someone who is just too afraid to get to know me. I'm someone who's very expressive. I talk for a living. If someone is afraid to get to know me, they can fuck off. Sorry. No, I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's so true because it's like, I'm telling you, I have a connection with you. You like me. I like you. Why? I'm not going to, keep going with someone that's not all in on me because I know that like I'm into this you know what I mean like I'm not like a game that's like yes or no it's like it's literally like do you like me are we a thing because why are we pretending that we're not like you said with the whole like oh I don't we're doing everything as a couple but we're not a couple yeah. 
It's like, what that is that? That being said, that being said, I'm not going to say I'm the perfect angel in that situation. So I have this thing when I go on one date with a guy and I really like him, you know, with females where we have hormones, we overthink things and we, we tend to think ahead. So the thing that I do is that as soon as I go on a date with a guy that I really, really like, the first thing I do, I go on a date with another guy. And let me tell you why I do this. It, it's not to be an asshole. It's not to prove myself that I, it's not for that. It's just because I do not want to be sitting at home wondering why this guy is not texting me or is not texting me right away because I don't want to give off that energy because that is the energy that usually makes people not like you. Yeah, that ruins it. And it ruins it. I feel like that is like actually a pretty, I feel like girls do this a lot where they do that, where it's like, I don't want to become obsessed with him. So I'm purposely going to go on like two or three other dates. But then what happens, I feel like sometimes is then when you're on those dates, you're like, thinking about the other person you're like hey are they gonna text me like while i'm on this right date? so that's the thing with me because i'm not an obsessive person because it does take a lot for me to become obsessed with someone i you if tips to any girls out there listening who do feel that way always give people a chance and i'm not just saying give them a chance by showing up at the date and just you know giving your time just have a proper conversation with them do something fun with them because I used to think I had a type, you know what I mean? And so I would only be attracted to that type. And obviously that type has not worked out for me because I'm 30 and single. (laughs) And the other day I just gave, you know, some guy a chance that was completely not my type physically, completely not my type that I would ever have gone for back in the day. And because I give that person a chance, like, and I don't mean a chance, like I went on a date with them. I just mean, I gave them a chance to actually bond with me despite me not being automatically obsessed with them physically, I ended up being like, you know what? This might actually work out for me because this person got more attractive to me after a couple of hours of speaking to him because he was so much fun. Like, I, do you know what I mean? Oh, so if you percent. go on a date, just see it as like, your time is so valuable. If you decide to go on a date, make it as fun as possible, either by asking them really fun questions, see how they react to the questions you ask them. That's what I do because I'm a journalist, but challenge them a little bit, like do something fun, surprise yourself as well, because you might see a side to them that you haven't seen in all the other guys you've dated and that might make them stand out too. So giving someone a chance is not only giving them your time. That's what happened at that adult camp too is because we weren't allowed to ask about the professions and things and you literally were like on kickball teams with people and in cabins playing beer pong. You just get to know all these different people from walks of life. And then I ended up talking to this guy that physically not my type at all. Like I would never double do a double take at a bar. I, if he came up to me at a bar, I would honestly, and this sounds really mean, I would probably ignore him or like 100%. make up a story like, Oh, I, I'm dating someone. And, but because of all the conversations we had, I was like, he's funny. He's intelligent. He's outgoing. And we ended up dating for well, a few months. And I was like, yeah, I would have because never what this camp does and it's very smart of them. It's negating all the, like the pre-made ideas that we have about someone that have yep. been created by society. And that's what I mean by giving someone a fair, a fair chance. You gave that person a fair chance. You saw him as the same because there was no social status job. Like this is my type. I need a doctor. I need someone who's professionally established. I mean, because there were none of those things, right. you're actually able to give people a fair chance. And that's something that I've really learned being in LA. I've made friends. This is a funny story as well. I made friends with a lift driver so he was driving me i was so hungover i ended up telling him my story he told me his story 
we've like he's a friend of like we chat on instagram i haven't met up with him or anything but we're in contact like when i do cool stuff he messages me he's like diana that's so cool and we're like friendly and then the other day i see that this guy is in a zara larson video and i was like oh my gosh congrats like so good for you like i don't know how to explain you should not this is why this camp that you went to is very smart. It teaches you to give people a fair chance. That's what I'm saying with dating as well. Mm-hmm. If you're a girl and you're like, why isn't this guy texting me? I'm amazing. It's probably because you're yourself an asshole and you're not giving other people a fair chance yourself. I love that. Well, then yeah. I want to ask maybe what's your best date and worst date, but what other dating advice do you have? Because it seems like you have met quite a few people in L.A. Yeah. So I don't date a lot of people that I made it sound that way. I I do meet a lot of people, but I don't, I haven't had that many boyfriends. Like I don't like dating and I definitely do not sleep around. Um, but my best date, it's so hard because I've had long relationships. I've had like obviously amazing dates, um, during those relationships. And also I've had amazing dates as in, if I describe the date to you, you would be like, oh my gosh, that's such a cute date. But the guy was so Debbie Downer that it made the date not that cool. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it all depends on the person as well and how you guys vibe. So this guy took me to this whole amazing date at a museum and I love museums and then to this amazing dinner and those things were amazing. But this guy's personality was not amazing. So I didn't enjoy that as much as I would have with someone who had a better personality. Definitely one of my worst dates, bowling. Um, I'm not very good. It's a really bad first date because when you bowl, you kind of really have to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. And I just don't think it's the right environment to make someone comfortable unless you're a professional athlete and you're really tall and skinny and you look good in bowling shoes. (laughs) The (laughs) ugliest shoes on earth. Like, why can't they just update those? Yeah, can they either update those slash can can I just bowl in my little cute biker boots that yeah. make the outfit come together? Like, I know this sounds super shallow, but on a first date, the only thing that you can hold on to is how comfortable you feel within yourself and what you're wearing because this guy's basically interviewing you. A first date is like a fucking interview. It is. So, I, again, it comes back to the whole testing thing. Like, are you testing me? Are you trying to see if I'm easygoing? Fucking date me. You'll see. <laughs> like, I'm easygoing. I will not shower for three days. And no, I'm joking. That's not I'm true. easygoing. I'm, Listen to me. I'm easygoing, but don't challenge me. Yeah. You know what? But so that, that was, to me, that was pretty awful because I didn't enjoy it. I didn't want to do that. I'd rather talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Don't take someone to the cinema on a Thursday. That's so stupid. That's when you'd have nothing to say for yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my best dates, I, actually, this ugh, this is so, I don't want to classify this as one of my best dates because this person is clearly someone that I would never be interested in dating. And But I just went along with it because I was bored, I guess. But that guy, that guy knows what's up. Like whoever he ends up dating, he'll know what's up. I just met up with this guy and he like was like, you have a dog. I have a dog too. Like, let's just take both our dogs to, to the mall. So we like, like have a little walk around the mall. And then he's like, Oh, there's like a restaurant up there. Like, are you hungry? But it wasn't planned. So I was like, yeah, cool. Went upstairs, got some rosé, got, got some pasta, like very chill and natural when it was just meant to be like coffee with the dogs. And I feel like, first of all, if you want to like win someone's heart, go for the dogs. I mean, he didn't win my heart, but that was for other reasons. But (laughs) I feel like that guy knows what's up and whoever's, whoever he ends up dating. He, he'll know what to do because that was a very good first date, even yeah. though I don't want to date him. Right. No, but that makes sense. It wasn't like dinner and all this pressure. It was like, okay, he was kind of like opening up 
a barrier breaking down a barrier by like bringing the dogs together because you he probably knew you love is you love your dog you know like you said yeah yeah and so he brought his dog and I thought that was very good idea because it was like working with me it wasn't just like throwing me in a situation expecting just me to like entertain him do you know what I mean it was kind of like I thought that was good yeah sometimes when you go on dates you feel like you have to be like on and you're like okay I need to like think about my talking like what am I gonna say if he asks this like sometimes I get anxiety because I'm like I need to like make sure that I don't sound like I'm trying to win a job kind of what you were saying about the interview like sometimes I feel like I can come off like that and I'm like I don't want it to sound like that this was the only date I've been on where I did not feel self-conscious yeah it's so hard not to what would you say to anyone like before you go on a first date like what are three things three tips pieces of advice anything that you would give i'm the someone. worst data i'll say it loud <laughs> and clear i'm the worst data i'm not good at dating so i no don't like advice. it i don't enjoy it um i'd much rather you know but my, even recently i met this guy again who wasn't like my type or whatever but we were we, we were on a trip and this guy was like oh i've got to leave let's just have a quick coffee like let's just have a chat and i it was so quick and easy that i didn't even have time to think oh this might be a date do you know what I mean? And right. I went, had a really great hour conversation with this person and he left. And then I was like, oh, wait, maybe that was a date. Because why the fuck would, would a guy just be like, I want to see you for coffee. Right. But it was just so seamlessly done that it just did not even feel. I think the best date is when you don't think it's going to be a date. That's yeah. my advice. So if someone makes a point and is like, I want to take you out for dinner. Where where do you want to go? Where, what's your favorite food? Where would you like to go? that's going to be a fail because you're automatically just putting it in someone's head. Like I am trying to make this a thing and it's so much pressure. Yeah. It's almost like you just have to talk yourself. My mom always says this. She's like, just break it down to what it is. You're just two people going to talk. Like you said, with the coffee thing, like you're just going yeah, to but have it's a chat. too hard when you're having dinner with someone. It's like, do I have spaghetti in my mouth? Oh, like, am I, I eating the right way? Like <sighs> it's too much. Like I, Dinner you know dates are I mean? hard. I, I don't I don't think I've been on a dinner date in like five years because I'm like, I'm rather getting drinks or we're doing something outside. But like dinner one on one is like, I feel like that is just so it's also a long time to commit to someone that you don't know that it's like, what if the conversation goes bad or they like offend you? And you're like, I don't want to sit here for like 30 more minutes. Like it's hard to do. Well, that's I do have a tip when it comes to that. So I've been on dinner dates where I was after five minutes. I was like, I don't I don't like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I again, you know, time, time is money. My time is very valuable to me. And so I'm like, I'm here now. So if I was sitting down with my best friend at a dinner, what would I do? And you just make it fun and Mm -hmm. you make it interesting. And it doesn't mean leading him on, but if you're going to be sitting down with someone, you must have some common ground somewhere. Everyone has something in common. Just find what it is. Make it your mission during that day to find what it is that you have in common. Don't honestly what can a guy say that's so offensive on a first date what what, a guy makes fun of your boobs laugh about it he doesn't like your boobs tough shit do you know what i mean yeah unless he makes it like unless he was like putting you down but i'm like who i don't know any guys that are doing that and if someone does that like honestly if someone like goes out of their way to put you down just be like okay listen that was offensive you put me down. I'm not an immature bitch. We'll move forward. But like, 
j just for you and for your own sake and for future reference, don't do that on a first date. Let me give you tips on how to go on a first date. Come on, come on. And then you make it a thing. You, you make it a fun conversation, but right. you don't have to get angry. Right. Exactly. It is like kind of checking your ego out the door and being like, let's just have a conversation. I'm not on a job interview. I'm here to yeah, like, even like if, you you're not, if, if you're not a match, you can still find common ground and have a nice conversation with this person until the dinner ends. Right. You know what? That's my, the only tip I have because I'm a really bad dater. I don't like dressing up. I don't like feeling like I have to impress someone. I think that doesn't that defeat the whole point of dating someone? Dating someone is being your true self with the person that you like. Dating defeats that purpose completely. So it's the wrong way of evaluating if you're compatible with someone. Yeah, it's it's hard. Well, yeah. since you think you're a bad dater, I think you're a great speaker and reporter. And you've obviously learned a lot throughout your 20s. Didn't you just turn 30? Yes. Can you tell us about, because I've heard about this, like, I don't know what it, I think I'm probably saying it wrong. Saturn return where you turn 30 and all this stuff. You're like, you just cut out friendships that don't matter anymore. You like level up. You're like, I'm in a new decade. Did that happen for you? Or are you just like, oh, it's another fun night, fun, fun birthday. Like, was there any big aha moment when you turned 30? Um, I think obviously when you do turn 30, you, you're very well aware of it and people make a big deal out of it. So it's kind of very hard to ignore that you are turning 30. I feel like it, it's hard because I do feel like every year I've evolved and every year I've managed to like make myself happier and understand how, how friendships work and how relationships work more. And I feel like I'm probably going to be even better at it when I'm 35 or 40. Do you know what I mean? Right. I don't think that like, turning 30 is like an end in itself. It's no. just the continuation of you just like learning and learning. We're getting really deep here. I'm usually like way funnier than this, but like, you know. I like talking about this. I like going all over the place, so. Yeah, it's great. Like you're getting real deep, Deanna, which is like very unique content right there for you. Good. Um, yeah. So I do, honestly, I didn't think, I think I'm a very juvenile person. I don't think I act like all my 30 year old friends. Most of them are married and have children. And I'm, I would like to be married and have children someday, but not with the wrong person. So I refuse to let myself just become that girl who just wants that and makes it her goal. I think my goal is not to reach a certain point at a certain age. It's just to like be like live a good life. Like, right. you know, I've been through a lot of traumas in the past and I really know what it's like to feel like you've reached rock bottom and I know how hard it is to get out of that. So in my thirties and even before my thirties, I made it a point to just be very preventative of those things happening to me again. But I feel like the way that I feel today, I felt this way on my 29th birthday and maybe my 28th, maybe not before that, but I really grew into my own when I was approaching my late twenties, early thirties. Um, I have made a point to not do things since I turned 30 and I've been successful in doing those things just because it is still a milestone. And so you're kind of like, okay, this is the perfect opportunity for me to actually check myself. But I don't think that it's changed me mentally. Like I was, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not changed me as a person. Right. It's just like, kind of like you said, like, okay, what? I'm content where I am, but like, what are things that I've wanted to do or what have I wanted to work on that I maybe haven't in the past? But 
Is there it's anything- like New Year's. Like, I don't believe in New yeah. Year's resolutions. Oh, me either. I, I hate them. I really don't. I always say set the bar low. Let yourself be pleasantly surprised. So that's kind of what I've done with my 30s. I was like, have low expectations. Don't think that just because you're turning 30, it's important that it's an a, an urgency for you to get married. It's an urgency right. for you to get more successful. But I was also like, now I'm 30 and it would be fucking stupid if I ended up dating the same guy that I've basically been dating all over again from age 18, which is different guys, but basically the same guy. That's so that's a, I feel like you just read my mind because that's a realization I had recently. I feel like the universe is like, I know you want a different type of guy, but I'm going to keep giving you the same one as a test and see what you do with it. And I always like take the bait and I'm like, I the forbidden fruit. Take the yeah. bait, you know, I'm like, yeah. I know what I'm doing. I know this guy sucks. I know what's going to happen. But like, maybe it's one more time. And it's like, no, like, just let that type or like you said earlier, like, let it go because it's so not what aligns with what I want anymore. But it's like, it's really hard to break that. And it's, and it's clearly a waste of your time if it hasn't worked out so far. So the right. day I turned 30, I was like, listen, still single. Don't mind that. But... I'm just not going to date that same guy again. So now when I see the red flags, I'm like, fuck no. Yeah. And I don't. And even if the guy's so cute and so charming and I'm feeling lonely and I'm feeling sad, I'm like, fuck no. Yeah. I have a dog. I have a job. I have amazing friends. I have family. I do not need you because I've dated you before and I don't need you. Yeah. And I know how it's going to turn out. It's just like a uh, a pattern that you need to break. But it's like we all know what's I feel like a lot of us know we're going down that path. It's just really, really hard to undo something that you've done for years. Yeah, it is so hard to break a pattern. I will say that. But also I've I've become that way professionally a little bit more as well. So if something is good exposure, but it doesn't align with what I, what I think I'm worth today, I'll just be like, no, thank you. Yeah. I've had 10 years now since I've been 20 to do this, to build my you know, career, build my reputation, build, you know, all the, my experience. Now I'm like, I, I feel like, you know, from the minute you reach your late twenties, you become a woman and I, you feel it naturally. It's mm -hmm. just biology. I feel like, and then you just have to know your worth yeah. and if, and you understand by 30 that if you don't know your worth, you'll never be happy and you'll never be successful. Right. What are some things maybe from your 20s that were learning lessons outside of like relationships that you've really made an effort to work on? Like when you're saying, oh, I was able to now know my worth or I was able to say no to this person. Like, is there an exercise, like a mental thing that you were doing? Was it just having conversations with friends? Like what was it that made that so change? In your 20s, and I was having this conversation on a podcast before, you don't have any solidified answers on what your future might be. So you're in a very insecure place. So the thing that I've, that I've seen myself do is like, I always wanted to get people's validation and people's validation was very important to me when I was 20. As you turn 30, you, you're still figuring things out, but you get more solidified answers. So what happens is you don't care about people's validation because you've learned in your twenties that if someone doesn't really like you, you can try as hard as you like to be more pleasant, to say what they want to hear. The foundation of you is not compatible with them as right. much as you'd like to try and as many efforts as you put into it. So in your thirties, 
you kind of just give up. You're like, you don't like me? Sorry, your loss. Someone else will. And I'm not t- talking about relationship. I'm talking about friendships. Yeah. So ne- today, if I meet someone and we don't vibe, first of all, they'll know because I'm not going to pretend that I like them because you don't want to waste your time anymore. And I know that no matter how hard I could try to make this person like me more, we're just never going to vibe because when we're not a good match to be for a friendship or for a business deal or for a relationship or for whatever that might be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like an energy when you meet someone and it's, it doesn't always have to be when you meet someone. It's maybe after a few conversations that you're just like, I don't want to kind of, what were you saying earlier? Like time is money. Like I have a lot going on in my personal life, a lot going out outside of personal life that I want to work on. I don't want to be spending my energy with people that I don't want to be around. A hundred percent. And I feel like that's something that I, I could say this for six hours on a podcast and a 20 year old would listen and be like, no, I still want to be the most liked person in the world because that is something that brings me joy and that brings me happiness. I really, truly feel that with that, it's just a process and you just have to go through the process and you can't be a know-it-all. You might think you know it all when you're 18, when you're 20, but you really don't. And it's a process that everyone must go through. And if you are already that way in your 20s, congratulations, I salute you. You're clearly a genius. But if you're not, it's not something that just happens overnight. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah, and I love that you said that because I feel, I'm the oldest of four. So I always try to give my little siblings advice. Like, They're like, not going to listen. Exactly. And I go, but why? I had to go through all that shit. Like, they need to go through it too. And I try to remember that. Like, I hope when I'm a mom that I can remember that too. Like, I don't want my kid to have her, it all figured out. Train yourself on your brothers and sisters. Yes. Because my brother at the minute is dating a girl that I know is very toxic for him. And I know is the wrong person for him. But, and my dad was like, oh, like, how, how can you get through to him and tell him that it's not good for him? And I was like, that's the thing. You don't. You encourage him to date that girl because he will learn so much from that toxic relationship. And my brother's a smart guy. He's not going to stay with that girl. Right. And you don't, if you don't learn that stuff, I feel like it actually hinders your later years because then it's like, when you're when you do become 30 and then you're like wait i've never dated a shitty person now i don't know the red flags to look for like i don't know what i want yeah. because i didn't ever I, go as parents that. you obviously always want to protect your kids and it's so hard to get out of that mindset where you're like i want to protect my kids and prevent them from heartbreak and all those things but you can't do that i know people who are very sheltered and these people do not even know how to make themselves happy the no. only way you'll know how to make yourself happy is when you've experienced being hurt because mm-hmm. then again you you you're preventative with it you, you you'll never learn those, those skills if you don't go through the process so my brother's always like should I go back to this girl like when they're arguing like oh I really want to go back and I'm like yeah go back go back four times five times six times and Keep see doing it. that that even if you get through this argument and she says sorry she's never gonna make you happy yeah like you just have to learn the hard way sometimes and but that's what makes you i feel like a more well-rounded person because then you're like you said you're not sheltered and you're like i've never done this i don't know what to do it's like you have to go through the shit and i'm not and i'm not saying encouraging people to be completely lax with like like advising people do you know what i mean right i just think that when it comes to emotions and relationships you'll never be able to control someone's emotion the only thing that can make you unlike someone or not want to be with someone anymore is if you really 
truly feel in your heart that this person is polluting you you're not gonna you're not gonna understand that if someone just tells you right now now i do and now i know better but i've had to like experience it yeah but i feel example, like the... you know as a parent you'll tell your kids never try drugs fair enough don't try them whatever listen to your parents but when it comes to like emotions i think it's very hard to like make someone just listen to you yeah i think the best piece of advice my mom gave me is with my ex we were seeing we were doing that whole dance of like should we get back together or not and it's like in my heart i knew we would not work out but it it was so hard to break what we had and i thought my mom would be like cut him off delete block and she goes yeah get back with him go like see what happens get back with him and i was like really like i just told you all these fights we had i told you how i feel and she's like no get back with him and i was like you know what i feel like that was showing me to your point of like if you want to get back with him and learn get back with him like no one's gonna judge you but i'm not gonna like sit here and try and like puppeteer your life so that you never learn that lesson. And I like really exactly. appreciate that lesson. My mom has had a very similar approach with me. My mom has always encouraged me to just go for things and learn and fail. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of people could say, I mean, I don't see it as failure, but I failed in my songwriting. Well, not not for a while, but I quit. So technically I failed. Um, but I was okay with that failure because I had taken the skills that I needed to take from it and I use them. And these skills have made me a better reporter than some people have been to broadcasting school. So I'm, 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 and I'm not saying by any means that I'm better than them or whatever, but I'm saying that, you know, it's like that speech that Steve Jobs gave at the graduation. He took calligraphy lessons and all that stuff that didn't make sense, but they shaped who he was and he was able to do all these amazing things. So I think that my, you know, my mom's approach has been so, so good for me because she worked with me instead of just working against me. And mm-hmm. I've learned so much thanks for her being so open-minded and just letting me learn from my mistakes. Oh my gosh, we need to take that clip and like send it to your mom for Mother's Day. My mom will be so happy to hear that. We'll send her a clip for Mother's Day. But I want to go back to um, when you said know your worth. I feel like I know personally so many girls, especially that are extremely talented. Like they paint really well. They have amazing fashion or they're like amazing at writing. And I'm like, you should do something as a creative outlet. And they're like, no, like so many people do that. I don't think I'm good at it. I just suck at it. Like people are going to make fun of me and then they never do it. And so I'm, I want to know what your advice would be, especially being in the creative and entertainment world for so long, of course, like get started and do it. But like after that, like what really is true, honest advice that you would give? So I think that knowing your worth is not just acknowledging your skills, Do you know what I mean? If you're a great painter, knowing that you're a great painter is not going to make you a successful painter. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it really bugs me because there's so many career podcasts and well, like wellness podcasts who are like badass bitch, like boss babe, like know your worth. You can do anything you want. And like the truth is you can't do everything. You can't do anything you want. I don't believe that. I think that you could be the most talented singer in the whole world if you don't know how to surround surround yourself with the right team if you don't know how to brand yourself or have someone who does it for you or if you don't know how to you know mix your voice with the right type of music you won't be a successful recording artist which i was not good at so that i knew that was not for me right i think that knowing mm-hmm. your worth is more about knowing what your strengths are and using those strengths to your advantage. And maybe you're a talented painter, but maybe that maybe your strengths are not something that are going to make you a successful painter. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's like, to your point, not... If you look at anyone successful, never have I heard one person say, yeah, it's because I was all by myself and did it alone. Yeah. It's like, it, it's knowing how to surround yourself, knowing how it depends. I mean, it depends what career, what you're trying to achieve. But I think that knowing your worth is not just saying I'm amazing and I can do anything. Cause I, I really don't like that mentality of making me, uh, making everyone feel like they can do anything because I th- I don't think that's true. I think that you can do something that you really enjoy, but that thing needs to include all things that you're that you're good at and not just one thing, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I, I'm not explaining this the right way. For example, um, there are a ton of amazing int- podcasters. I listen to a ton of amazing podcasts. But these podcasts are not successful. And I'm not saying there's no room for them to be successful. I don't know these people on a personal level. But let's say, for example, this person wants to be an interview podcast, but they're not a good booker. They don't know how to book talent. You're not going to have a successful interview podcast, even though you're the best interview ever, if you don't know how to book talent. Right. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're saying like the systems in place around you are just as important as your strengths. Yes. So to me, knowing your worth is understanding your strengths Mm -hmm. and finding a way to use them at your advantage. Right. No, that makes sense. Because I really hate people who blindly say, you want to do that? You can just go do it. And so many people get disappointed. It really fucking bugs me when influencers are like, just be consistent and it'll happen. There's room for everyone. There is room for everyone, but not everyone has what it takes. That, that's so true. And I think I, what I agree with is when people are saying that, oh, go out and just do it. They're also not explaining all the shitty stuff behind the scenes, like all the yeah. work you have to do, like all the shit that's going to go wrong. They're not like, you can go do it. But there's 20 things that are probably going to happen wrong before you even see a success yeah. happen or something. It's that like my story. Like I didn't just move to L.A. because I got offered the job of the century. That's not how it happened. Right. I ended up having my heart broken. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and I wouldn't have been here if I hadn't gone through that thing. Exactly. I wouldn't have even had the opportunity to live here if I hadn't moved here with at my at the time boyfriend. Right. I just wouldn't have. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I have him to thank for that. But it's not just like I'm a great interviewer and I got offered a job and I'm super successful. No, it's not like that. No. And even this Do you know podcast. What I mean? Yeah. Even like this is like my creative outlet and like something I really enjoy. But there's like a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I get frustrated with that I'm like, God, I don't want to edit today. I'm tired. Or like, I don't want to like promote on social media. I don't want to like do this and this and this. But I'm like, that that comes with the whole world of podcasts. The territory. But yeah. I'm not trying to discourage people. Like, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is seeing one skill of yours and just depending on that is not good enough. It's not enough for you to just get what you want done. Do you know what I mean? I think you have to be smart about knowing your worth. You really need to think, what are my strengths and how can I use them? So, you know, I'm someone, I was a good songwriter and I was a good singer. And yeah, it sucks. Like today, I wasn't the best by any means, but 
yeah, I can't sing today as a profession, but that's okay because I still get to write and I use that to my advantage and I use it in my reporting and in my news writing. And I just sing in the shower. But being smarter about what I'm good at is what got me to doing something that I truly enjoyed. So if it's not exactly what you had in mind from the start, that's okay too. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, and it's okay to also like surround yourself with people that are 10 times better in the industry than what you're doing. If anything, that's better. Even this podcast, I'm like, you know what I like about the podcasting is the interviewing. You know what I don't like is the editing and like social media so you know what i did i'm in the process of hiring someone that can edit and do my social media so i can focus on what i actually like to do you should have hired me that's what i do for a living oh my gosh well (laughs) i have to tell my other person we have another (laughs) no like i i edit i well because of my back that's what i was gonna say because of my background in music again I know how to edit vocals. I know how to audio produce. Exactly. And that it, I would never be a podcaster if I didn't know how to do those things. And actually, because of my production work now, I would not be making money doing what I'm doing if I didn't have those skills. And I got those skills through music. So again, you can do anything that you enjoy, but I don't think that you can do anything exactly how you want it. Right. There's always, I think that's the best way to put it. It's not going to be the straight and narrow path to a beautiful product at the end. It's like, no, there's a lot of bumpy roads full of shit they're going to have to go through. Not even go through, but like maybe you didn't even expect that you're going to have to deal with at some point. And that's the other side of it. A hundred percent. So we've gotten pretty serious. I think that we need to take a turn and talk about some fun things. I'm all about that. (laughs) Okay. So first and foremost, in L.A., it's obviously known as being a wellness bubble. Do you have a favorite skincare place or what is your beauty routine? Because obviously, like, we're going to have to say it, like, it matters what you look like in LA. At least people care about it more. But I'm going there in the end of summer and I, I like, would just want to know some skin places. Oh my gosh, you have to call me. I will. We're going to go get Okay, facials. so you have to go to Glow Skincare. Um, Casey's my friend. She's an amazing, amazing facialist. She really, she's not a a spa that just like promotes a brand and that will be like buy all these products at the end. Uh, You know, don't go to the spas that are like the brand, like one brand. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think so. Like, Huh? Like a one branded like, name spot. Don't go to the Ula Henriksen. I mean, they do a pretty fucking amazing facial, but you know, you'll leave there. They'll be like, you need this product, you need that product, right, you need right, that right. product. Okay. And you know, each brand has a strength. Right. Okay. A strength. This girl curates exactly what she wants. She handpicks Ooh. everything that she uses in her facials. And you know, even when she makes, makes a mask for you, it's a custom made mask only with things that your skin needs. And it's super like Instagrammable. Everything that she buys is super cute. The whole institute is amazing. And she's a young girl like us. She's cool. She's friendly. She understands the struggles of like skin and wanting your skin to look good. And the the good thing that I like about her is that she'll give you a facial, um, but the facial will last. It's not going to like go to shit a week later. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to hit that up. What about workout routine because every like every time i go i, to LA, I don't I, I fucking hate working out you hate working out do you work yeah. out at all no like not consistently like sometimes i just won't work out for three weeks straight and i know it's like unheard of in la i used to be like a i used to dance like so naturally my body won't go to shits like you know drastically right. 
but um, I'm, I'm not consistent with working out. And I think that a lot of people overthink. I don't know. Cause also I have like, my mom is like super thin and like, it's also in my genes. Like we're like small in the family. And yeah, that's annoying to say. It makes me so unrelatable, <laughs> but I'm, I don't have like a super perfectly toned body. Like the other day, I was trying to shoot this bag that I was wearing with a bikini and I had like the worst cellulite on my butts. Like it wasn't cute. And okay, like, I feel like when I looked at your Instagram, I was like, her body is amazing. She must yeah, be Yeah, well, have you ever seen a shot of my butt on my Instagram? No, <laughs> fuck no, because I have cellulite. So you you don't have a consistent workout routine, so we're that's not relevant. But you I just- do sometimes work out. So if I am on a health kick, I'll do P-Volve, which is like you Ooh, stream your workout online and it's really good. And for me, you know, I'm not someone who puts on weight. I mean, I do gain fat, but I'm not someone who becomes a bigger person. Mm -hmm. So for me, it tones me and it's really nice. Um, Occasionally, I'll do like a soul cycle if I need like to break a sweat, if I really need to sweat. But, you know, I have a a dog and she's she's quite active. And so, you know, I take her on a walk in the morning. It's like a 15 minute walk, but it's still getting my steps in. Yeah. Um, okay. Like I've recently just taken her on her first hike. That was really fun. Uh, I'm not very good. Like, honestly, I don't want to be like a preacher for the working out and the body because I'm not like, yeah, maybe I do have abs on my belly, but this is from years and years of dancing. And that's all you'll see on my Instagram. Cause it's, one of the things that I'm like, I like about me, but I'm not going to just put a bum shot of me of mine on my Instagram. Cause I know I just don't ha- have the tonest of butts. Right. So it's, you're highlighting your strengths again, both yeah. physically and in work. What so, about- and then you were like, Oh my gosh, I see your Instagram. You have an amazing body. No, I do not. I just show the parts of my body that I don't mind as much. You know, the angles, I need to figure that out. I need to figure out my angles, Ugh. what I'm doing. What about, do you follow any specific not like eating plan or diet, but like, do you generally try to eat more of one thing versus the other? Like, what does a day look like for you of eating? So I, I have kind of specific tastes with food, but I'm not like health conscious when it comes to my food. I just generally don't, I don't really like sweet things. Obviously I'll have an amazing chocolate souffle and whatever. And those are things that everyone likes, but generally speaking, I love more savory things, salty things. Um, I, don't like eating breakfast in the morning because it makes me, me feel sick. Same. I have like a latte and I'll have the most fattening milk, you like whatever, but I just don't like having a big breakfast. I'd rather have like a big dinner. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, I don't really follow a diet. I, I'm very like skincare. I do have a skincare routine. I have a hair routine, but I'm not someone that's super diet conscious. I, growing up, my mom always told me that I don't really have particular cravings either because my mom has always said to me as a baby, we were very, very fat babies and she gave us all the sweets. She never said no to sweets. She never said no to chocolate. So now when I go for my food shop in the week, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just get this chocolate because she never created those cravings. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, my mom fed us like chocolate milk and waffles and syrup. And so she's like, oops, I think you guys are like made of sugar now. And I'm like, it's taken me like a really concerted effort to stop eating sugar or like try and cut it down because I used to think it was like totally normal to eat like two bags of M&Ms a day because that's how I grew up. And so I'm like, oh, that's actually really bad for you. (laughs) Gotta take a step back from that. But what about- 
But it's more like for me, what I eat does not affect my weight massively, like massively. But there is something to be said about like some ingredients in some foods do make me feel like shit. Yeah, because you're like Like, lethargic and you're like, I want to lay down. Yeah, so like I don't like that feeling. Yeah. So if I'm like hungover, I'll have a green juice because it just rehydrates you and it kind of like flushes you out but and but for me like eating a cheeseburger with french fries like that makes me feel good so i'll have that but is it gonna make me feel good to have it five days a week no i'll have it like two days a week yeah it's Um, intuitive i don't really like red meat all that much i don't like cooked fish so i'm very i'm much more of a like pasta person i like Mm. having pasta a lot more um yeah, for me, I, I, I'm I'm not the best. I mean, I love all the lifestyle and the skincare tips, but I definitely am not the best person to give any diet advice to anyone. I feel like Europeans somehow eat pasta and drink wine and like have insane bodies. I feel like it's like not fair. I eat like three M and M's and I'm bloated for like the entire week. Yeah, I feel like if you overthink it, you create those cravings and you create those issues, but. Again, I don't want to be the preacher for that because it all depends on the person. I don't want to be the person who's like encouraging everyone to not give a fuck and then they eat M&Ms and they put on weight. Like I'm I'm not knowledgeable about right. that. Well, what about in LA? There's always like new trends and things coming out. Is there anything recently that you've tried or really weird that you haven't really seen in the rest of the US? Yeah, so I've recently got in the mail an LED, an LED light therapy mask. I don't know if you've seen it on my Insta stories. Oh, I saw that. Did you see it? It's so fucking funny and the creepiest thing. And apparently it's like, it basically, you know, gives you like a facial and you can do it at home. And so I'm going to try, I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's, it's very, it's very, it's very cool and very creepy. There's different like light colors that do different things for the skin. Um, I tried cryotherapy for the first time a couple weeks ago because I I went and got an IV because I was so tired and dehydrated from a super long haul flight and it just like woke me up and made me feel so energized and it helped me with my sleep. It was really good. And I love a, a, a cold roller on my face. Oh, those are always feel good. I feel like I love that both hungover, not hungover. Like it's just like so there's something about it. I don't know what it is. It just it just increases blood circulation and yeah. you just feel more awake. And, you know, I, it, back in the day before I found out about these face massages, if you had a bad night's sleep you could do all of the masks, all of the makeup that you want. You still look like shit because underneath all that, your skin is tired and it's the blood's not circulating properly. But now that I understand the use of like a facial massager, I could have four hours of sleep and still wake myself up and wake my face up and still look somewhat presentable because it does help you with like blood circulation. So that's a hot tip. If you're looking like shit, massage your face, put a nice With a cold roller, roller. it has to be cold. Cold roller and hit the town. What about, and you can get one from Glow Skincare again. Oh, love Glow Skincare. We need to. I need to check this out when I go there. We need to go together and get like facials or something. We'll go together. Love it. I'll take you. What about favorite apps you're using? And I'm asking this because I feel like recently you did a post about efficiency or like favorite apps that you're using. So can you share some of those with us? Thank you for stalking. I love yes, it. I'm an expert um, stalker. So on that post maybe maybe let's see if i have new ones from that post so i give you like kind of different content yeah um 
Calendly just brought out a new an app. So I, I spoke about Calendly on that post, but they recently just came up with the app. So you should definitely use it. So what happens? I don't do you use Calendly? No. Is it the one to like book meetings? Yeah. So the thing with Calendly is it, it seems annoying at first, but you enter the time slots where you're free okay. in the day for like the whole year, for the whole month. You can go as far as you want and then people can book slots. And before Calendly was not in an app. Now it has oh. the, you could only do it from your desktop, but now you can do it from your phone, from the app. I love that. And what happens is you can link, link it to your Google Calendar. So whenever people book a slot, it automatically goes into your Google Calendar. That's so nice. That's amazing. So that it's great that it's in an app now because before I had to go to my computer to check who had booked a meeting. Now it's and then I can update my availability on the phone app. So that's really good. Um, what else am I using? I'm going to say a lot of ums here because I'm trying to give you like new stuff that I haven't she's, spoken yeah, she's about. Yeah, showing us guys. I know you can't see that, but in real time, she's scrolling through her phone trying to find apps for us to get the exactly. latest tech news. So recently, I heard this on a podcast ad, and I thought I would give it a try. So it's called HoneyBook. Oh. Um, I'm always down to try all the new like apps and Me too. Um, time management because I'm awful at admin. It's actually one of my biggest weaknesses. So HoneyBook is kind of an app for small businesses like like us who are trying to just manage everything and who don't have necessarily the money to outsource all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's for freelancers or for podcasters for anything that you want to do. And basically what they do is they give you um, – these, I, I'm not explaining it really well. I'm, re I'm really bad at describing this because I'm just the worst at admin. But let me go on the website. They have an book? app as well, which is amazing. But so what they do, it's like a business management for creative people. So obviously Ooh. we know that creative people are terrible at business management. Yes. So what they do is they help you with bookkeeping. So when you're a freelancer, it's very hard. The hardest part about being a freelancer is getting paid. So you're making these invoices, you're sending them to people, they're not paying you. Then you find yourself being that annoying bitch who's like, can you please fucking pay me? And so what happens with HoneyBook is that people pay you through their websites. It's a paid subscription, but it's so worth the money to me. So you can, they make, they make propose like samples for proposals, for agreements, for contracts, for invoices, all done on that one app, that one website. And then the payment is done through their website. So they are the ones who are sending the invoice, the reminder, and they just make sure that you get paid, that you get shit done, that you have your contracts and your agreements done. And if you're someone who does, who's not familiar with, you know, writing down a proposal or writing down an agreement, they have samples that you can use and you just fill them out. Love that. So it's just, yeah, it's a really good tool. And then you, so the way they set it up is, you have a project for a freelance client and then you start with the inquiry. They help you through that. The follow-up, the meeting, the proposal, the contract sign, the retainer paid, planning, la, la, la. And it syncs in also your Google calendar and your calendar. Oh my God, I need this. So it's just an all-round amazing business management tool for small businesses who have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And they have a concierge that you can just, you can always chat to them on the chat and ask them how to do things. Wow, that's like... I haven't even heard of that. And I feel like I stay up to date on all the like tech stuff. Like that's the industry I work in. I read tech news all the time. And that's amazing because to my point earlier, like I work with a lot of creatives and influencers and people that probably are getting like shafted because they have no idea how to keep track of things going on. So thank you for sharing that. And also you don't want to be the bitch who's like, pay me now. Like yeah, pay me, then it's pay like, me, pay me. Because then it ruins that business relationship. Right. So having that middle man or that middle 
app to right. do it for you is actually really helping you with just staying on top of your business relationships too. Yeah, it's that's actually like a way to just it's a way to seem professional if you're otherwise unprofessional. That's what I feel like for me. <laughs> also, I really like the Voxer app because I'm I'm not good at texting. So, um Voxer is a walkie-talkie app. Ooh. And so you just um, straight it's up not like the voice it's not like the voice thing on text that's annoying because it's just annoying. Like the Voxer app, you just have like, I'll show you on the screen. So I Voxer with my friend Casey. So you have that big button. Okay. You keep it pressed. So hi, Casey. I'm just showing someone how to use Voxer for a podcast. She can listen to it in real time. And when she responds to me, I can play it later or play okay, it in now. real time as she's talking. Oh, wow. Okay. That's actually nice too for anyone that's like driving a lot and like exactly in LA you can't text and drive so you just use Voxer and then you can save them how however long you want the voice notes so if you need to go back and reference something you can it's not like the Apple voice message where it gets deleted or whatever it's super good yeah unless you're talking shit or something you maybe use the Apple one so it just deletes like I mean if you're app. talking shit you just delete them yeah just delete it delete them yeah. Any other apps? Are those your like top three favorite right now? Um, it depends what kind of apps. Are you, you are you just wanting for productivity? productivity? Do you want like what kind maybe of apps? Maybe like is there one that um is there one that you use in the morning to like maybe decompress? Like, do you use a meditation app? Do you use like a motivational app, an inspirational app, anything like that? No apps like I just, that. Podcasts. I Podcast. just don't really like meditating. It's not really my vibe. So podcasts. These three apps. Um, I feel like podcast in the morning i just instagram <laughs> i'm really bad um i'm not really good at all those things but um what else let me think uh hold on i'm trying to find you I, i'm trying to provide value here like i'm i don't i'm an overachiever i love well, the, the three you just showed pvolve has a, an app so you can do your workout from your phone as well oh that's nice um you can stream your workouts from your phone so if you're traveling or um i actually i you know, one time I did, I had two flights, a 12 hour one, and then a two hour one right after. So I locked myself in the bathroom and just did a couple of like leg exercises in the bathroom. Cause I was so like restless from just being on that plane for 12 hours. So you can use the app. Um, it's really convenient. I love that. I think those are good. Those four, we have exercise, we have bookkeeping, we have admin work and communication I mean, with friends it, or, you know, whoever. if you, if you are creative, as you said, you can be a great painter. At some point, you're going to have to handle the bookkeeping. So you may as well just like get familiar with it ASAP. Get ahead of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Why great. don't we do some rapid fire questions? Like you don't even think I'm just going to ask you. I, I do those as an interviewer and I've never done a rapid fire myself. So I'm oh really sorry if I'm terrible at this. No, it's funny. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. What's one talent that you wish you had that you don't? Fuck, I'm so bad at this. One <laughs> talent I wish I had. Uh, that's so hard. I'm. I, th this is so much pressure for me. Okay, a talent I wish I had. <laughs> Maybe cooking? Because you said you yes. didn't cook? Okay. Oh, my God. No, but I'm actually good at cooking. I just don't like oh, it. I don't like it. Okay, okay. Um... A talent I wish I had... I wish I could. You sing. You oh, sing. I wish I, I had a sense of style. I wish I had a sense of style. Oh, I feel like you do. But okay. No, I have people who help me. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? 
Biggest pet peeve is people with no spatial awareness. What is the most overrated fashion trend right now? Overrated? I I really can't cope with the fishnet thing that was going on at Coachella. It's disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, dead or alive, who would it be? Scooter Braun. If it was your last day on earth, what would you eat? A burger and um, cheesy fries, Japanese rice crackers, and a root beer. A burger from where? Any Anywhere specific or like, just anything? For, like Five Guys. I would have the burger from Five Guys. I would have the french fries, the cheesy fries from Shake Shack. Ooh, those are good choices. I was like, yeah, you got to do some mixes. Like, we got to mix yeah. fast food. You can't get it all from one place because not one place gets it all right. No. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you were only allowed to bring one beauty item, what would it be? Sunscreen. What about a personal item, like not beauty? A personal item. Mm. A personal item. Fuck. It could something, be... something to entertain myself. Something to entertain myself. It'd probably be like a knife to like hunt, something to hunt so I could make food. Oh, you're going like primal out on these dessert well, islands. I, like, do I have access to things? Like, that's, I don't know. You need more context on this deserted island. I, I like the knife answer. What about, yeah, like, like, I'm just now picturing you like with your I'm sunscreen, like hunting like, and gathering. <laughs> looking I'm trying good. to be efficient. If, 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 if we're like talking like whatever, then probably like my podcasting gear and I would just document this horrific process and go viral. That would be hilarious. I think someone should do that. What yeah. about a uh, celeb crush? Patrick Dempsey, please marry me. Hear this podcast. Hello. Yeah, he listens. Your dream girl is out there. <laughs> Why don't you see her? Patrick Dempsey just tuning in. What about yeah. number one rule for dressing on the night on the town? Get your stylist to help you. Get a stylist. <laughs> no, number one rule, I would just say you can't go wrong with booties, a leather jacket, and just... Uh, just sim- go simple go simple. simple and wear a red lip Ooh, what about your most irrational fear flying that's so funny and you do these really long flights i feel like all the time it sounds like yeah and i xanax myself <laughs> you found your uh plane cocktail yeah and i yeah that's my most irrational fear what about lastly speaking of cocktails um what one of your favorite go-to cocktails spicy margarita with salt on the rim Ooh, I can't do margaritas. I, if anyone listened to my last podcast, I basically got alcohol poisoning from tequila and I like will never touch tequila again. So like you go to, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I overdid like, it. Oh yeah. If I like, it's to the point where if I smell it, I like will gag and throw up. So oh my gosh, we're never so getting sorry margaritas to together, but that must okay. ruin so many nights out for you. Cause it I did. cannot have fun without a spicy margarita. Oh, it sucks. What about <laughs> a morning or, or evening routine? Do you have one? Morning routine, um, get a latte and walk my dog. Evening routine, anything there? Evening routine, well, I, I don't, I'm not very good with like having an evening routine, but always I would say put my salt, um, salt lamp or diffuser on to just relax myself and go to sleep. Oh, love that. Lastly, if you were a rapper, what would your stage name be? Fuck, that's so hard. Um, I, I When I used to be a, a singer, recording artist, they used to call me Baby D in the studio. So I guess that would be it. Oh my God, I feel like that's perfect. That is like, 
a rapper name, I feel like, already. Baby D. They were, they were always like, yeah, Baby D. And I was like, yeah, well, you know what? Whatever. I, I think I'll, I would just go with that. Oh, my God. I love that. All right. Well, Baby D, we... <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna call Baby you D is in the house. <laughs> Baby just... D is joining us on the podcast today. Oh my, I love that. I love Thank that. Thank you so me. much for having me. This is such good questions. Thank I have you. to. I we have to acknowledge that you are a fantastic interviewer. Thank you. That honestly makes my day, and I am so happy. You the I think what also makes someone a good interviewer is the person they're interviewing. So you were a great no, interviewer. You're just good. Well, thank you yeah. because. I've had some guests on that I was like, it's going to be trouble posting. So, I mean, you know this better than anyone, like your guests make the podcast too. So I, this actually is probably one of my top two favorite interviews. Thank you so much. If I give, if I can give you any tips for future guests who are not very responsive, if you're not getting anything out of anyone, this is what I've learned on the red carpet always use a personal story about yourself that will make them laugh and they'll warm up to it and then you'll get more out of them. Oh, I love that. So it's not always about asking the questions. It's always, it's also about sharing. That's so true. I love that. Well, I love ending on that tip. So thank you so much. Can you pimp yourself out? Tell everyone where to find your podcast, where to find you on social media. How can we stay in touch with baby D? (laughs) Baby D, come on, show me some love people. Okay. (laughs) So you can, I love that. And I'm like, as I'm like holding the microphone. Yeah, I was like, like she's like really getting into this baby D thing. Like I'm really getting into character for this plug. Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's Deanna Espier and that's spelled D-I-A-N-A, like Diana Espier, E-S-P-I-R. You can find me every week on the You Can't Sit With Me podcast. And then if you want all the lifestyle tips, those are going to be on the webpage, which is can'tsitwithme.com. Love it. Thank you so much for doing this. Everyone go follow her. I get reality TV people to come and talk about their TV shows and lifestyle tips. So it's like a lifestyle pop culture. Like I talk about pop culture news and reality TV, but it's good for everyone because if you don't watch the reality show, these people will still share like the lifestyle, how they, you know, some tips on how to live their busy lives. And it's just a funny conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, because I feel like some people see reality TV and they're like, no, not for me. I'm like, no, there's actually, you don't really go like, oh, what happened on this episode? I mean, it's like a, a little, little bit, of, bit, but I feel yeah. like, again, if I ask them all about the show, everyone's already asked them. So I try to go a bit outside of that box and I ask them more about like lifestyle and personal care and what makes them who they are today type of thing. Love that. Okay, everyone, well then go listen to You Can't Sit With Me, follow Dinah and... Can they contact you for questions or anything? Just reach out to your DM. Of course. You can send me emails on concertwithmepod at gmail.com. And also I always answer all my Instagram DMs. And most of the time I'll respond to them with a voice note to save time. Love it. Look at that personal touch that you're adding to all your DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast. And everyone, we will see you next week.